Praise God. Well, I've got a message for you tonight, and the title of it is called Standing or Swimming. And uh, it's just something that's really near and dear to my heart that the Lord just laid on my heart. Um, I had snippets and pieces of this throughout uh, all last week. But uh, yesterday, uh, Monday, uh, the Lord really just put it together, and it came in like a flood, which is really apropos because of the fact that it's talking about the river of God. I was kind of half hoping that AJ would play today, the river of God. The river of God sets our feet to dancing. But he didn't go that way, but that's okay. Amen. Praise God. So we want to just read the scripture. It's Ezekiel chapter 47. We're going to do verse 1 and then verses 3 through 9. It says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple. And when the men went out to the east, when the man went out to the east with a line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. And he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that, I, that could not be crossed, for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river uh, that could not be crossed. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the brink of the river. When I returned there along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the water goes. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Do you know there's a flow of river that comes from, from the very throne room of God, and it brings healing and refreshing, just like that song. It brings healing wherever it goes. Amen? That's what God does. In reading this text, however, I was kind of reminded of a time when I was in the Army, I was stationed at Fort Carson, Colorado, and a bunch of my buddies and I decided that we would go down to a river. Actually, in Colorado, you're up. It's high. And I don't know if you've ever been in Colorado. It is one of the most beautiful states in the country I've ever seen. But the rivers are, like, really icy cold, and they're deep, and they are strong rivers. So we decided to go hiking up along the bank of the river. And as we're going up along the bank, we came to a place that was impassable. We couldn't get through. The brush was too thick. And we were left with two choices. One was to go back down and inland and go around it that way. Or the other way, which we perceived would be the better way, is to work our way out in the water to the edge and go around the rock face to the other side. And so that's what we had decided to do. So the farther out into the water we went, the stronger the current was, and the higher the water level rose, till now it was at my chest level. Now, in those rivers, you're hanging on to those rocks for dear life because the water, the force of the water is incredible. It's amazing, the power of the water. Clinging to the rocks as I pulled my body to wash me down the river, I worked my way around the edge to the other side. Much to my alarm, the backside of the rock face. Are you ready for this? As I came around, yeah, you got to picture this. I'm coming around, I'm hanging on to the rock so I don't get washed away. I come around the other side and I grab around like this and I look and the entire rock face was covered with these huge spiders. They were like wolf spiders. 
Well, <laughs> obviously, in sheer fright, I let go of the rocks, and the force of the water took me far down the river to the other side of the river. I actually ended up on the other bank, and I, it was scary, to say the least. I was glad I was a long way away from the danger of the spiders, but it was, to say at the least, a very harrowing experience. I couldn't help when I was looking at this sermon and thinking about that story. You know, God does not use any experience in our lives that's a good teaching tool. He doesn't, he doesn't just let it go. He brings it back at some point. And I've, I've, I've realized this throughout my life. Very often, God will bring up things that happened to me 20 years ago, 30 years ago. This was probably like 40 years ago. And yet, the Lord brought it back to me when I was looking at this. You see, though I didn't understand it then, today, as I reflect on that day in view of the text before us, I can't help but think of how I was carried to safety when I was willing to let go of what I was hanging on to. Amen? Amen. It's so often we want to hang on to something that we feel familiar with, that we feel is safe. Well, we're going to talk about that tonight. What Ezekiel is describing in this apocalyptic vision is a divine flow of living waters that flow from the temple of God. In the book of Revelation, John even describes this river as a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. The purpose of this river is to bring healing and life everywhere it goes. Now, when you look at the book of Acts, the beginning of the book of Acts, we're told that you shall receive power. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it's not in slides, Betty, don't worry about it. It says that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, we see this actually happen. We see this river of God kind of played out in the book of Acts. What you see is it begins in the upper room with 120 people. And then as it grows, it goes to 3,000 people, then 5,000 people. And eventually they go from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria. Philip had a big ministry in, in, in Samaria. And on to the uttermost parts of the earth, to Rome even. And that's where Paul ended up was in, in Rome. So, and everywhere they went with this gospel, um, they brought healing, deliverance victory. The gospel was preached to the poor. Basically, in the beginning of the book of Acts, it says that the very works that Jesus began to do, and yes, he began to do it, after the resurrection, those works were carried by the church to, again, carry out what Jesus was doing, healing the sick, raising the dead, opening deaf ears, you know, the blind people see. We are to continue that same thing, and pastors preached on this many times, so you, know, you all know this. Um, truly, healing and life flow from the very throne of God. Jesus himself said that I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly or have it to the full. Amen? And this life is not only for the here and now, but it is a life that I believe that in him we will have eternal life. So it's actually life that begins here, but it continues into eternity. But the key is, is that where are we living today? Are we living in the temporal are we living in eternity? I want to suggest to you tonight that what you're going to see, we need to live in the eternity. I need to live in the eternal, ever looking to the eternal. That's where my life is. Amen? According to the Great Commission in the 20th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, we have a commission to go and make disciples of all nations, do we not? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things I've commanded. And he, he gives us this promise that he will be with us always, even to the end of the age. 
for us to do what he's commanded us, he endued us with power from the Holy Spirit. As I said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And we shall be witnesses. We are to go to be witnesses to the nations, testifying to the gospel of Jesus Christ and preaching salvation in his name alone. Who all knows there is no salvation in any other fit, for there is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Amen? Does that make sense to you? Okay, so basically what we are supposed to do is we are supposed to partner with God in bringing the healing power and life that flows from the very throne of God, the river of God, if you will, we're to bring that to the nations. And we are to partner with God in doing this. For us to partner with God in this endeavor, we must realize that though we abide here in the temporal, this is not where we draw our life from. We should be living in the eternal, for our focus must ever be on the eternal, not the temporal. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 says, If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Well, if I'm going to appear with God in glory, if I'm going to appear with him then, I want to walk in him now. Does that make sense? Let's walk in Jesus now that we may appear with him in glory. My heart tonight in sharing this message with you is to show you the dangers and the pitfalls, first off, of walking in the temporal then to explain what's required to live in the eternal, and finally, in conclusion, a picture of what it looks like. We actually have a picture of what it looks like to go from standing to swimming. Amen? Praise God. So first off, we're going to look at the temporal. Now, first off, the first point I have under the temporal is perceived safety of the temporal. Uh, and I say perceived safety. Amen? It was interesting. The other night I was watching a movie with my daughter, Liz. And in this movie, it was a movie about a couple that moved into this house, this old house. And next thing you know, what happened was the woman was transported back in time to the 1800s. And it was a really nice story, and it ended with a nice, nice theme to it and such. But as we're watching it, Liz made the comment that, boy, I wish I lived back in those times. Have you ever done that? I know I have. Uh, we watch some of these movies, especially old westerns. I watch old westerns. I say, man, I was born in the wrong place. I certainly was born in the wrong place when, they, when I was born in New York. I belonged here in Texas, I'm telling you. But the bottom line is, is that we, we look back at those things and say, man, I wish I lived back then. Wouldn't that be so cool, you know? And I thought about that. And as I was putting this sermon together, I was reminded something. The Lord was saying to me, what does the past hold for you? You see, when we look to the past like that and say, boy, I wish I lived back then, it's because we're not really satisfied with where we're at today. But you know what? It's, they, they always say the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, but you still got to cut the grass. They had their own challenges. We have challenges, okay? And what the Lord was showing me, when we cling to the past, what happens is I've delivered you out of the past. Amen. He's called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Everything of my past, he swallowed up in the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God there was a lot that needed to be swallowed up. Amen? And I stand here today washed and clean, separated from that which held me back. You see, the Lord was showing me clinging to the past prevents you from looking to the future. 
Our life is in the future. My life is hid with God in Christ Jesus. And there is a life there that I can draw from. And I can draw from it here and now that will last me even into eternity. Amen? I can't help but think of Peter and the disciples in the boat when it, came to, when it comes to perceiving the temporal as safe. Okay? Jesus came walking to them on the water. We're told that the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, here comes Jesus walking to them on the water. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, very often I put myself into that, that place. I put myself in that boat with the disciples because I want to kind of understand where their heart is at. Okay? And up to this point, we're good. Amen? Everybody say, we're good, right? We're good, okay? When they saw him, they were filled with fear. Well, I understand that as well. Seeing somebody walking on the water could be a scary thing, especially in the middle of a storm. But Jesus spoke to them and said, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Now that would have brought some comfort to me. I may have still been a little afraid, though, I think. Now, up to this point, though, I think we can all see and relate to the disciples. If we were to put ourselves in that story, I think many of us would respond the same way. If you saw somebody coming up to you, Judy, on the water, walking through a storm, would it scare you? I mean, I think it frightened me as well. But you see, it's at this point the narrative takes an unexpected turn. Peter answers him and says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, did you notice only Peter asked that question? None of the other disciples. I wouldn't have asked that question, I don't think. Only Peter asked that. Why? Because on the sea, in the middle of a storm, now picture it, here's the storm, the raging storm, you're hanging onto the boat, the boat is being tossed to and fro, you're hanging onto the boat, and here it is. What's the safest place to be? In the water or in the boat? It's pretty simple, isn't it? We would cling to the boat. Why? Because we perceive that that's the safe place to be. I feel that many people are afraid many times to solely stand on the word of God, especially when we hit severe circumstances in our lives. We get a bad doctor's report or financial uh, difficulty comes. We hit these places where we know what God's word says, but we're afraid to stand on the word. Why is that? Because we feel in many times that it's a shaky foundation upon which to stand. Why? Because I've got a boat here. I am God. Uh, echo, echo. Hey, AJ. Okay? Amen. It was close. We had to stand on faith, brothers and sisters. Amen? But the bottom line is, is that, yeah, a lot of people are afraid to stand out because they feel it's a shaky foundation on which to stand. Stand in the boat or standing in the raging sea? What would you choose? You know, we like to cling to what is comfortable, where we feel safe. I know that standing here, I am safe. Amen? Very often we rely on what we can see, feel, and touch, the reality of the world around us, rather than something we really can't see. Think about reality TV. Anybody here ever watch reality TV? I don't see any hands going up. You all are saying, no, no, I'm, I'm not a heathen watching reality TV, okay? Um, but when it comes to reality TV, it always cracked me up that they say, this is reality TV. Yeah, but whose reality is it? Is this the reality that the Christian lives in, or is this the reality of the world? 
It's the reality of the temporal. The Christian doesn't live there or shouldn't live there, okay? Basically, the attitude that we have is I'm okay as long as my feet are on the bottom of the riverbed, all right? You see where I'm going with this thing? You see, I'm in the river, but just my feet up to my ankles. I feel safe on the riverbed, okay? I can even support myself knowing I can stand firm in myself. To get out beyond myself, that's kind of scary. Even when the water rises to my knees and even to my waist, though I feel the current moving against me. And, and let me tell you, if you're a Christian today, there are going to be times, you know, it says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. You know, there are times that we'll feel the current of God pulling against us to go in this direction. But a lot of times we're afraid to make that move. Why? Because what I'm standing on feels so much safer. You know, though I feel the current moving against me, yet will I strain to keep my balance on the footing I'm familiar with. I would rather stand in myself than trust to what I can't see. Okay, and I think that's the problem. A lot of people perceive that if I stand in myself, I'm safe. If I'm in the boat, hanging on to the boat, I'm safe. If I can still feel the rocks on my feet in the river, I'm safe. I can balance myself. The thought of letting go and allowing the current to take me where I can't see frightens me to the point of unbelief in the keeping power of God. When Hezekiah and the army of Israel faced the Assyrians, Hezekiah encouraged his army with the importance of being established in the Lord. Listen to this in 2 Chronicles 32, verse 7 and 8. Be strong and courageous. Wow. Don't you realize that when you look at Joshua, when he's going into the promised land, everywhere in the Bible, what do you see? God is constantly telling him, be strong, be courageous. Why? Because we can get afraid. We can be frightened. We can be weak. In any circumstance, we can be weak. And God continually reminds us through his word, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us fight our battles. And the people, it says, were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah. Brothers and sisters, let me just let you know right here and now, it is essential for us to always be encouraging our brothers and sisters in the Lord because the Bible tells us that the same afflictions that you go through are accomplished by your brothers and sisters in the world. So whatever you're facing, I may not have the exact same circumstances, but I am going through circumstances the same as y'all. And the bottom line is we need to encourage one another in the Lord. Hey, brother, you can do this. You know, Rudy, you'll be okay, man. Trust in the Lord. Come on, I'll walk it with you. I'll pray for you, you know. That's the kind of attitude we have to have towards our brothers and sisters. Amen. It's important that we encourage our brothers and sisters in the Lord because God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. But realize also that putting our trust in the arm of flesh will never suffice when coming up against the flood of circumstances, trials, and tribulations in the world. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 and 6, it says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good to come. He shall dwell in parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Amen? Basically what it's saying here is that if I'm trusting in the arm of flesh, I'm actually turning away from the Lord. 
You know, recently I was talking to someone who's going through a very hard time at the moment, and they said, I, I don't know if I can just trust God, you know, because I've seen and, and what's happening in my life. I just don't feel like I can trust him. And so this person is pulling back away from God, when in actuality, that's the person you need to get to. Okay? The perceived reality of staying back in my own little world. No, I need to get to Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood needed to get to Jesus. Amen? Blind Bartimaeus said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He got to Jesus. And he got what he needed. Very often, we pull back when we need to push in. Notice, when we're trusting in the arm of flesh, the temporal of this world, we are turning away from the Lord. And the very things we fear come upon us. Now, put this into perspective. You see, with Israel, when they came out of Egypt, most of them perished in the wilderness. And when they first came out, what was their complaint? Have you brought us out here to die? That was their complaint. They complained to Moses, the God has brought us out here to die. They were fearing dying in the wilderness. But because of their unbelief, what happened? They died in the wilderness. You see, when we're not trusting in God, the very things that we fear very often will be the very things that will come upon us. Amen? Rather than facing the battles ahead, the very thing they feared, perishing in the wilderness, is what happened to them. The Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Brothers and sisters, do you know, even if you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, you have faith to overcome? In the book of Revelation, we're told repeatedly in the second and third chapter, to him who overcomes. Well, to him who overcomes would indicate there's a battle. There's things we're going to have to go through. But we can overcome. Why? Because Jesus says we can overcome. Amen? The Bible tells us just shall live by faith. Peter had faith to believe. And as such, he walked on the water. Yes, he began to sink. We all know Peter began to sink, okay? And people like to focus in on that. But he, he began to sink only when he got his eyes off of Jesus. But he experienced firsthand the keeping power of God in the middle of the storm, standing on the water. How awesome is that? Amen? He experienced something the guys in the boat did not experience. The guys in the boat were hanging and clinging to the boat. Why? Because this is where it's safe. No, that wasn't where it was safe at all. Peter realized that there's only one place that's safe in a storm. Is it in a boat that's being tossed to and fro by the waves? Or is it in the one who is standing in the middle of the storm walking on the sea? Amen? How awesome is that? Woo! Man, that'll make you kick the back of your choir robot. Amen? I am telling you, that is exciting. That's where we need to be. We need to be in Christ. And we need to realize that though we think the temporal is safe, it's actually a false. It's a lie. We have perceived safety in the temporal, but there is no safety in the temporal. There is only safety in Christ. Amen? The second point that we come to is a divided heart. You know, another danger of living in the temporal is that you're harboring a divided heart. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, it says, Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Now, I want you to think about this because I'm going somewhere with this. How much of a difference it makes when you're standing on the sure foundation of the word, when faced with the temptations of this life, 
I've often thought about writing a sermon that I'd like to entitle, Live Life on Purpose. Have you ever been there? How many people find themselves led by others in their decisions only to experience disappointment, discouragement, and defeat because rather than stand against the flow of the world, they falter between two opinions and follow the crowd. I have a very dear friend of mine who's a preacher, and he, said, he says he, he always preaches out of King James, and he says, he who straddleth the fence rippeth his britches. Okay? So, <laughs> halting, faltering between two opinions, but I want you to notice in the passage it says, but the people answered him not a word. Why? Because they lacked the confidence necessary to stand being double-minded, unstable in all their ways. I want you to know when you're going through a struggle, and I've been there, and you all know, some of you know some of the stuff I've been through over the past year. When you're going through a struggle, what are you looking for? You're looking for something to establish you in confidence. Okay, when everything turns against you and, and, and you're like, oh my gosh, all things are against me. What's going to keep me is a confidence. I need confidence in what I'm doing. And I got to tell you, if you're not resting in the Lord, if your life is not established in the Lord, you are lacking confidence. You see, it is confidence and endurance that mark a true Christian's life in this world. Confidence is having boldness and assurance that I'm going through to victory. Just like Jesus when he told the disciples, go to the other side. I told you, go to the other side. That means we're getting to the other side. Confidence, boldness, okay? Endurance is being able to bravely bear up under a heavy load to hold out no matter the intensity of the storm. How many of us have been through storms and all of a sudden we're praying, we're believing. I can remember one time I was actually, I was in a house and we were renting the house. And what happened was the landlord who told me they would never, ever sell a house out from under us did exactly that. We came home one day and there was a sign on the property. Next thing you know, she sold the house and put my whole family out in the street. Okay. And I had a wife and three kids. And at that time, I went over to her house, and my daughter Elizabeth was, was with me, and I went over to her house, and I actually was pleading with her to let us stay until we could get into another place. And she absolutely refused and walked in the house and slammed the door behind her, okay? Now, at that time, I got back in the car with my daughter, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, I'm praying, soften her heart. I didn't expect the answer that I got back from the Lord. The Lord said to me, he says, I may harden the heart, but know that I am God. Are you hearing me, church? You see, when I have God with me, when he's with me, I don't care how bad the storms get. I'll stand through it. God has taught me over the years through every struggle how to stand. I always come to that choice. Am I going to trust God or am I going to trust in me on the flesh? Am I going to trust God? Or am I going to bail and go another way? You see, I need confidence. And that's what I want when I'm standing in a storm. Only being established on the sure foundation of the word of God and an unshakable faith in the son of God can we have boldness and confidence to withstand the storms of life. The boat was anything but stable to the disciples. The true stability was in the one walking on the water. Amen. Charles Haddon Spurgeon puts it this way. He says, be a man who can be singular when to be singular is to be right. If the whole world shall run headlong down the broad road, 
be it yours to thread your way through the crowd against the current along the uphill way of life. The dead fish floats down the stream. The live fish go against it. Isn't that good? What do you want to be? You want to be a dead fish or a live fish? I think I'd rather be a live fish. Amen? The third point we come to is relying on the transient. You know what? When we are trusting in the temporal, what's happening is we're relying on that which is unstable and transient. It's not going to last, okay? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Why did Paul say that? Because he was faced with the possibility of losing heart. When you go through struggles, you have the possibility and the temptation will ever be there to lose heart. And he's saying, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. You all may not believe this. There was a time when I had hair. I had a lot of hair. It used to be down to my shoulders. Now I have none. Okay? Why? Because I have changed. Everything changes. I remember when I was in New York in my... I'm, I have a lot of rabbit trails tonight. I remember when I was in New York and my father was selling his house. And he was moving to Arizona. And I was very close with my dad. And the thought of losing him was tough. But he gave me the keys because there were a couple of things I needed to do in the house. And then from there, uh, he said, just put them in the box, call the real estate agent, and they'll take it from there. So I did that. And the last day I was there, I walked all through that house. And I had all my memories and all the things that happened there. And then I walked out and I said, this door is closed in my life. Just like that past. The past I've been delivered from. I need to close that door. Amen? And then what happened? If you go back there today, that house doesn't even look the same. It's changed. They put additions on it and everything else. It doesn't even look the same. We had a farm that had almost 100 acres. Those 100 acres are now all houses. There's no property left. It's all gone. Church, do we understand that everything in this world is transient? and will one day pass away. The Apostle Paul says that though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day. I can tell you this much. In my heart, the fire of God just gets renewed day by day. I get more excited day by day. Amen? It's exciting when you're spending time with God. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to say, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things, listen, church, which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, having an eternal vision. He says, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You see, everything in this world is transient and will one day pass away. All that we put our trust in in this world can change, will change, and will eventually pass away. You know, it's kind of like the song says, on Christ the solid rock I stand, everything else is sinking sand. No matter what you put your trust into, it's here today, it's gone tomorrow. If you're trusting in this world for your peace, your peace is going to be disturbed. And I can tell you, it's going to go up and down because as times get hard, you're going to go down. As times get good, you're going to come up. We don't want to be there. I want my eyes on the eternal because, you know, when my eyes are on the eternal, I'm on a solid plane. Whether times get good or times get bad, 
I am kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last days. Amen? Oh, church, that's something to get excited about, I'm telling you. I can't help but think about the rich man spoken of in the Gospel of Luke, whose land yielded plentifully. He had an abundance, and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, and I'll build bigger barns, and I'll have all this stuff stored up. And then I can eat, drink, and be merry. How many of us want to eat, drink, and be merry? Come on, come on, come on, come on. We're not heathens. I mean, you know. But in, in our hearts, in our flesh, we still want that. We want a life of peace. We, want, we think that peace and joy is actually an absence of conflict in our lives. It is not. Peace and joy comes from one source. It comes from that river of God that's flowing from God's throne. Amen? That's where our peace and joy is. And he said he was going to build bigger barns and be set for many years to come. And God's response was, you fool, this night your soul shall be required of you. Oh, oh, oh. Because you see, not only will everything else pass away, we're going to pass away as well at some point. Unless the rapture comes and takes us up, there's going to come a time where my life will no longer be in this world. And I'll go home to be with the Lord. Amen? But I have a hope beyond this world that keeps me all the way through that. Amen? When I think about the fact that I'm going to go home to be with my reward, well, praise God. But I'm not leaving until I'm done with what God's called me to do, which is finish this sermon. Amen? Jesus said, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Established in Christ is being established on that which is forever settled in heaven. Jesus being the fulfillment of the law, being established in him is sure footing indeed. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the same. Oh, brothers and sisters, that was weak. Jesus Christ is the same today and forever. Amen? He does not change. James 1, 16 and 17 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow of turning. He doesn't change his mind. He never gets less. He's always more than enough. Amen? He is El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. Amen? In Hebrews 6, 17 and 19, he says, so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, guys, we're the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with the oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Church, do you have hope tonight? set before us. Are you laying hold of that hope? It says we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. In the midst of the storms, I have an anchor to hang to. When Peter was out on the water, he looked at Jesus. There was a sure anchor that he could hold to. He fled to the Son of God. Amen? And we need to do the same. Okay? Jesus, when it came to Peter, he was looking to the eternal. The disciples were still hanging on to the boat and the temporal, okay? But he looked to the eternal, which brings us to the second point, which is the eternal. You know what? We need to be looking to the eternal. How do we do that? Well, I'm just going to give you two points. There are tons of points. Understand, I could talk on this all night. If you want me to, I will. No? Okay. Um, but 
I want to give you two very important points that I feel are very important. Number one, in order for us to partner with God, our vision must be bigger than ourselves. There was a time in New York where my house was ne next to a, an older woman who lived behind me. And what happened, we had a really severe ice storm and a tree came down in her property. And I felt bad for her because the root ball was on my property, but the tree was on her property and half her backyard was taken up by this tree. So it was too cold, too, too much snow, too much ice to do anything at the time. But I went over to her and I told her, we'll see what we can do about, you know, I'll work with you and we'll see what we can do about getting rid of the tree. Well, when the weather broke, I talked to my church at the time and I talked to my pastor at the time with the idea of taking and seeing if we could get all the guys together, you know, like we do here, we get all the guys together. And if you don't come together, I want you to know when the guys get together to do stuff in this church, join in. That's a plug. Bobby, did you hear that? Okay. So, but I want to get all the guys together. I figure how long is it going to take us to chop up a tree and get it and cut it out to the road? And I asked my pastor about it. And he said, well, you know, we got to be worried about liability. Um, if we're cutting a branch and it falls through a window or something in her house, we, we have to be concerned about the safety of the church and the liability of the church. Okay. As it turned out, the church never touched the tree. Okay. Now I want you to know, I was on the board in that church and in that church, what we were doing and looking to do was to break into that community. I lived in a poor neighborhood and I was poor and the woman behind me was poor and it was an impoverished neighborhood. And we were looking for our church to actually break in there and bring the river of God into that church. Healing, victory, deliverance, salvation, preaching to the poor. We wanted to do that. And to my knowledge, when I left, we still had not done that. And you know why? Because very often what happens, we embrace the temporal when we're overcome by self-preservation. I'm more concerned about myself than somebody else. I want you to know, if your vision is limited to your own safety and security, you will never take the risk of launching out into the river of God's plans and purposes for your life. It's not going to happen. I promise you that. When you get into the river of God, just like when I went into that river in Colorado, I didn't control where I went. The river took me wherever it decided to spit me out onto the shore. There was nowhere else to go. When we're caught up in the plans of God, God will work out his plans and purposes for us and through us, but we have to be willing to rest in him. And what does that mean? Well, what about, who knows, the what-ifs are always there. Well, what if a tree goes through the window? Hey, praise God, God's not going to let that happen. If he's called us to do it, we're going to do it. We want to bring the river of God into that neighborhood. Do you understand what I'm saying? Think about Peter on the beach with Jesus after he had risen from the dead. I love this. They had the fish fry, and Jesus has fish cooking on the grill. And then Jesus says to Peter, he says, in John chapter 21, verse 18 and 19, he says, most assuredly, he's talking to Peter, he says, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. You walked where you wished, looking out for a number one. Hey, I'm looking out for number one. Let me tell you. I'm going to watch out for myself. Make sure you do it to them before they do it to you. You know, that kind of an attitude of watching out for myself. 
and I, it's not always arrogant like that, but it can be. In New York, it was very arrogant. Uh, we'll edit that out of the tape. But in either case, it's a matter of we're worried about ourselves. I go where I want to go. I want to go and do what I want to do. I'll do it my way. No. You know? <laughs> I get crazy the longer I stand up here. Okay? <laughs> but he says, when you're old, you will stretch out your hands to another, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish, where you don't want to go. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me. Now, I want you to see Peter's response. Man, I got excited when I saw this. Because what does Peter do? Peter says, uh, what about him? Okay, and he's pointing to John. You know, what about him? For crying out loud, hey, but, 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 but Jesus, I'm going to die? What about him? Can you take him instead? What was Peter doing? Peter did the same thing he did when he stepped out on the water. He started out looking unto Jesus. But then he got his eyes off of Jesus, onto himself onto the waves, onto, I'm going to die? Are you kidding me? And what did he do? He took his eyes off of Jesus. And what did Jesus, what was Jesus' response? He said to him, what is that to you? You follow me. Get your eyes back on me. I stand in the eternal. I live in the eternal. And when you're living in Christ, you are living in the eternal. Oh, church, that's where you want to live. When you're living in the eternal, the things of this world cannot touch you. You're going through to a mighty victory. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Those who do great things for God are those who have denied themselves, taken up their cross, and with full abandonment follow him. We hear about it all the time. And people raise their hands in church saying, I surrender all. Oh, i got to get back. We're ready for church. We're ready for our dinner this afternoon. i got to go. You surrender all, really? You know what? Full abandonment. When Dr. Leon was here, it was all in. Are you all in? Amen? Jesus told Peter, you follow me. Amen? So the first point, our vision has to be bigger. We've got to be looking into the eternal. I want to lay hold of the eternal. I want to live in the eternal, and I want to accomplish God's will by looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Amen? The second point is that we have to rid ourselves of all impurities. Now, this is important. The most interesting thing about this river in Ezekiel's vision is that it was flowing from the temple of God, the very throne room of God, is that there were no tributaries flowing into it. Did you notice that? It says it came out from under the throne. Usually, when rivers get larger, they get larger because there are tributaries that flow into other rivers that flow into it. At each interval, the messenger took Ezekiel out to, into the stream to measure its depth. The depth increased at each interval from ankle deep to knee deep to waist deep and finally to which one must swim. Well, most rivers get larger by tributaries that flow into the river. But this river, I try to say this river, amen, this river okay, grows larger and larger from the sole provision of the Lord. Amen? Are you getting the picture on this? Okay, you see, there is nothing of the world that's in this river to taint its flow. 
think about when we're walking with one foot in the world and one foot in the river. You know what? We are tainting the power, the flow of power of God into our lives. Amen? There is nothing in the world that taints the flow that comes from the flow of God. It is, as John on the Isle of Patmos saw it, a pure river of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. If we're going to partner with God, we must rid ourselves of anything that taints the flow of God's power in our lives. Do you understand that? If I'm going to allow myself to have a divided heart, the Bible says, let that man not expect to receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If I'm looking to God, Lord, I'm looking for you to provide. Oh, you know what? Let me do this. You know, Pastor Jim Simbler, he is the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City. Uh, I've never been to the Tabernacle, but I have met Jim, uh, Pastor Jim Simbler. And the bottom line is, in one of the talks he gave us, he was telling us about when they were building the, ta building the, 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 the tabernacle there, they faced a lot of financial difficulties. And every time they faced it, he said he would get on his face, the church would get on their face, and they would pray. And they said, Lord, it's you or bust. We didn't have a plan B. There was no other way. It was either going to be Jesus or we were bust. That was it. You see, that's what it means to jump in the river. Lord, I trust it all to you. Amen? Personally, we must come to the place. And this, is, this can happen corporately as a church. Right now, we're seeing some great things happening in this church. And I'm excited about that. But I want you to know, the only way it's going to move in the church is when we get out of ourselves, when we stop with one foot in the river, one foot on the ground, and trying to hang on to the rock where the spiders are. Don't go there. Okay? When we get beyond that point, then maybe we'll see an even greater outpouring. Do you want to see the outpouring here in this church? The way it's going to happen is when we just throw ourselves completely in the river. But it can happen individually as well. And when it, when it comes to individually, personally, we must come to the place of laying aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, from whom the river flows. I'm looking to him for my supply. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I want the flow that comes from God. Amen? Praise God. That's what I need. And we are, you know, something we need to understand. We are soldiers in the army of God. Now, I was in the army. And in the army, the one of the things they teach you real quick, you are not your own. You don't belong to the world anymore. You are ours. Okay? And I was sick one time. And I went home. I was home on leave. And I went to my own doctor. And he gave me prescriptions and a, and a note that said I need bed rest for like two weeks. And I went back to my base. And I gave the note to my drill sergeant, and I said, hey, here's my note. And he looked at that, and he says, shh, shh, shh. He ripped it up and threw it in the garbage. I'm like, what? He said, let me see those prescriptions you got. And I gave him my prescriptions, and he took them and threw them in the garbage. I'm like, this is unconscionable. Are you kidding me? He said, son, you don't belong to the world anymore. You belong to the army. And I said, but I'm sick. Then go to the infirmary. I went to the infirmary. They gave me cough medicine and sent me back to work, <laughs> okay? The bottom line is I'm still here. I'm preaching, so I didn't die, okay? 
Understand, we are in the army of God. 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4 says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him, uh, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Do you understand that? When you said yes to Jesus, you were enlisted in the army of God. You now belong to him. To do anything else is to go AWOL. To do anything else is to desert, desert him who called you to his service. Amen? We don't need to do that. We must determine to get out beyond where we can stand in our own strength, trusting solely in Christ, just like Jim Simler. It's you or bust, Lord. Rather than simply getting our feet wet in the river of God, hey, I'm in the river. Yeah, you're in the river, you know. How long have you been staying in the river? Uh, 25 years? Wow, you know? Uh, but when we come to the place where we can no longer stand in ourselves, and the thing is, as we grow in the Lord, and that's why we're encouraged to grow in the Lord, okay? We need to grow. When we first come to Christ, our feet are wet. We got in the river. And eventually, if we'll stay in the Word, stay in prayer, stay in fellowship, do the basic things that we need to do, God will work in our lives. He'll begin to talk to you. I'm telling you, God will talk to you. And when he talks to you, that water will rise to the knees, to the waist, may come up to your chest, and you may feel the current pulling you. But you see, there comes that point in everybody's life, and I don't know if you're there tonight or not, to where all of a sudden you feel the pull of the Savior. Come on, let go. Let go of everything you're hanging on to and jump into the river. You know what? We need to have the courage to let go of all that we cling to of the temporal and embrace the eternal and launch out into the river, allowing God to take us as he did with Peter, where we would not have gone ourselves. I want to get out to a place where I would never have gone on my own. How about you? You want to get there? Amen. Lastly, I'm in closing now. Uh, conclusion from standing to swimming. What does this look like? What's the picture of this? I mean, how, is there anything in the Bible that actually gives me a picture of what this looks like? I want to say yes. Paul, when he was on the island of Malta. Now, I want you to understand, they were on the island of Malta. Do you know why? Because they were shipwrecked. There was no safety in the boat. They were told, stay with the boat until it gets you to shore and then there's nothing to hold on to because it fell apart and broke, it, broke to pieces. And the bottom line is, the boat was not the place of safety. But then they get on shore. And now what's Paul doing? Well, he's involved in the work of God. Well, what do you mean, brother, he's in the, involved in the work of God? The Bible says in Acts 28, 2 through 5, it says, the natives showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul gathered a bundle of sticks, well, wait a minute, you, you're saying when he's involved in the work of the Lord, he wasn't preaching. Well, he wasn't teaching, he wasn't laying hands on a sick and, and raising anybody from the dead or anything. No, he's gathering sticks for the fire. What is the work of the Lord? The work of the Lord is whatever you're called to do. If you have a job and you're called to be there and do that job, you want to do it as unto the Lord. Why? Because that's what you're doing. You're working for the Lord. Amen? Paul was working for the Lord. And it says, when Paul had gathered a bunch of sticks and laid them in the fire, a viper came out, and because of the heat, it fastened on his hands. The snake bit him, and he's hanging on his hand. So when the natives saw this, 
they got afraid and they said, no doubt this man's a murderer whom though, that, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But then, and get this, it says, but he shook off the creature in the fire and suffered no harm. Now again, like I say, I put myself into the story. Here's the picture. Here's Paul, he's gathering sticks to put on the fire. I'm about doing the work of the Lord. Bam, a viper hits on his hand and he goes, and keeps gathering sticks and putting sticks on the fire. Okay? Do you notice that he didn't take and all of a sudden, and when Paul, uh, uh, let me find my place here. Uh, do you notice he didn't go to the other disciples and say, guys, you got to pray for me. I just got bit by a viper. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Pray for me that I don't die. He didn't even ask if the serpent was poisonous. Now, I don't know about you all. When I see a snake, he's dead. I want nothing to do with a snake. Amen? I'm afraid of snakes, okay? But the bottom line is here, Paul is not even moved by this. I'm doing the work of the Lord. Bam, vipers comes on me, I just shake him off, and I keep on doing my work. He wasn't even moved by this. I want you to notice that, that very often in our lives, when we're about fulfilling God's will in our lives, and suddenly something happens. Have you been there? You're doing something. You just started a ministry. You're trying to serve God. You're trying to be faithful. And all of a sudden, something happens, doesn't it? Amen? And next thing you know, you're like, oh, my gosh. And what happens? Very often, we stop doing what we were doing. We turn our attention to the adverse circumstances, and we begin to start trying to figure out how we're going to get beyond that, don't we? I want you to know, that's not what Paul did, okay? Unfortunately, there are many people who started good, but then when hardship and trouble came, they ceased from pressing in and never even returned to the work of the Lord. That's the danger. You know, the enemy is always looking to distract you, okay? And we don't want to do that. I want you to know Paul was so caught up in the vision God had for his life, swimming in the river, if you will, that he did not even concern himself with the circumstances. He left the care of his life to the Lord. Why? Because I'm enlisted in his service. But you don't understand, Sarge, these medicines. I need these medicines. No, you're in my service now. You're in the army now. And I'm still alive. The army is supposed to take care of me. Okay? And the point I'm making is the fact that we need to come to the place where we are so caught up in the river of God that we are no longer moved by the circumstances around us. Basically, Paul left the care of his life to the Lord and went about finishing the race that was set before him. There is freedom in the river as we, instead of living a careful life, being concerned about the affairs of this life, live carefree, entrusting our lives to the one who called us to his eternal glory. Listen to the heart of Paul. And this is in closing. Listen to the heart of Paul. It says in Acts chapter 20, verse 22 through 24. And now see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying the chains and tribulations await me. Okay? Notice, he's going, and he's told by the Holy Spirit, everywhere you go, chains and tribulation, Paul. Well, how about Malta? Chains and tribulation. Can I go to Ephesus? Chains and tribulation. Wherever you go, you're going to have chains and tribulation. But listen to what Paul's heart says. But none of these things move me nor do I count my life dear to myself 
so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. On that Damascus road, Paul received a commission. Church, have you received a commission? We all have received a commission. Why aren't we fulfilling the commission? A lot of times it's because we don't have the heart that Paul has there. And we need to have that kind of a heart. Paul said, none of these, these things move me. I don't even count my life dear to me. Snake, that's up to God to take care of. I've got work to do for the Lord. And because of God's power being released, God's power will be released when you're living that kind of a life. He didn't die. And guess what? The natives saw that and they said, this, guy, this man's a God. They, well, no, I'm not a God. But you know what? I'll tell you about the God. Why don't you gather around here, guys? Let me share something with you. You know? And he shared the gospel with those people. I want you to know, God wants us to be in a place where we're no longer worried about ourselves. You see, Paul was sold out to the Lord with a vision that was bigger than himself. He knew he had a ministry and a calling. I am called by God to, to bring the Gentiles to salvation. I'm going to do that. And I'm not going to budge from it. His vision was bigger than himself. Secondly, there were no impurities in his life because he was no longer going to stand in himself. There's a place where he said, I used to be a Pharisee. I had all this whole list of stuff, a whole list of all the things. I'm a Jew. I'm this, I'm that. He said, I cannot all rubbish that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, which is of the law, but a righteousness which is of God by faith in Christ. Amen? Paul was sold out to the Lord. And so what we're seeing in this is, part, is the picture of what it actually looks like to do that. With God's call on his life, as he said in another place, woe if I do not preach the gospel. I'm called to preach. I'm going to preach. I'm called up here to preach. I'm called to this church to teach, to come alongside my pastor and serve faithfully in this church. Guess what? I'm going to preach. I'm going to teach. I'm going to come alongside my pastor and serve him faithfully. Why? Because that's what God has called me to do. Are there going to be struggles? Yes. Are there going to be problems? Yes. Are there going to be things that are going to try to come in between it? Yes. But I will not be moved by any of them. That I may finish my race with joy and complete the, the plan that God has for my life. Amen? What does God expect of us? Where does he want us to get to? In Revelation 12, 11, and this is the end, it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. You see, the true church and the true people of God will be a people who are completely sold out and swimming in the river of God. Paul put it this way. He said, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. May it be so even in our lives as we launch out into the river of God. Amen? That's where we want to be, church.